0: Are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst? Do you want to confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on Self Worst.
1: <coughs> hi, hi, what's up? Hello, it's me, Brad Pearson. Welcome to another episode of Self Worst, the podcast about mental health and uh being a useful person and trying to navigate uh modern capitalism such as it is and uh, just you know doing some shit with your life because I guess you got to how you doing happy solstice it's the longest day of the year for all you hippies who give a shit all you fucking astrology dorks that it means something to I don't know I'm just more of like a sunlight fan. Big sunlight stand over here. Just love that 9 p.m. sunset. Just really get charged up with all the all the beautiful sun. Just all the energizing sun and warmth late in the day makes me feel like I can actually keep my eyes open and not want to lie down all the time. Uh So I'm a fan of this time of year, and uh, I try and not this is what always happens to me like it, it isn't it's still kind of early summer it's mid summer it's it's whatever it's uh, uh uh officially the first day of summer right i don't know how this shit works but i i get this like preemptive depressive thing when summer wears on and i'm like oh it's already passing by uh year's already 6 months over it's already half done i'm already oh uh, no you know, and I, and I'm like, oh, the days are gonna start getting shorter from now on, and oh, it's all going downhill from here. You know, like it, it's just really, um, not so much anymore. But I used to just really only be capable of uh, having happiness related to the weather and the outside world for about one month out of the year, in like April where you're like oh it's getting warmer and there's flowers in the trees and uh, I have things to look forward to and then the rest of the year I'm just like nah it's all bad man anyway I try and not let that affect me anymore cause uh it's just always kinda hard when, you, when you're when you grown up When once you grow up and have a job and have a real life and real grown up big boy problems uh it's you, you realize that the time of year and the length of the day doesn't really have much to do with it, does it? That's just sort of an added annoyance at worst. When it's like cold and gloomy and dark and snowy, you're like, like ah, could do without this, but really, I'm, I'm really more worried about like rent. I'm really more worried about uh, my tooth hurts and I don't have insurance. Anyway. The job search wears on. We are uh, looking around. I got an interview this week. Don't get too excited. I don't really wanna even say too much about it. It's like kind of a small little part-time website maintenance thing, but it's not nothing. It's technically a tech job. So we'll see how that goes. And it'll be a thing to add and maybe lead to other opportunities. And we'll we'll see. I'm only a month out of this bootcamp. I'm trying to not. Uh, freak out too much about it and uh, be like, oh god, I wasted my money on another fucking thing that's not going to yield any results. Now I'm in even more debt. <laughs> now i got another useless skill. Now I can't, uh, another thing I can't apply myself to. I don't know. It'll probably be fine. I think I got it. Anyway, speaking of tech and code boys, uh, we're talking to my old friend Josh Miller this week. Uh, as you will hear in the episode, he we grew up in the same hometown. We're we're little Lincoln boys, and um, you know, we just have we have a common history and uh, a, a common history of being from that town and and gallivanting about life and fucking up a lot and starting over and failing at a lot of things and uh, then eventually ending up kind of in a second third tertiary career in tech hopefully he's actually already doing that he did the boot camp thing which is why I wanted to talk to him in the first place and then he did the damn thing and now he's got a, a cool job and he's killing it and he's doing well we recorded this uh, a couple months ago when I was still uh, doing the doing the boot camp thing so I I I'm not as far ahead in this recording as I am now but anyway um Josh is, you know sometimes you know mostly I talk to uh entertainers uh people who uh you know, comedians and and whatnot, and sometimes I just talk to fucking just regular-ass people. And I think that's cool. People who I just know, who I think are interesting, and they're not necessarily a clout-chasing attention whore like the rest of us. You know, they're they're not just like, uh, Oh, follow me and pay attention to me and please tell me I'm good and funny and pretty, please. He he's not He's just a guy... A guy who's really smart and uh, has, has had a hard time applying that intelligence to something that is actually going to make him money. And I think that that's something that a lot of us have in common. The world keeps telling us that we're really smart. Everybody we know, the adults in our lives, our friends, our peers are like, well, you're really smart. And I'm like, you sure about that? You sure about that? Because, uh, I walk dogs for a living, and I make, like, $26,000 a year, and I am an idiot. I I can't fucking do anything. What are you talking about? I'm smart. It's ADHD, bro. We both have it. Josh and I, we talk about that a lot. And, um, it's, it's, a, it's our cross to bear, you know? It's really hard for us. As white guys we decided I mean God decided that you know we would be too powerful if we just had normal functioning brains so we had to get you know kicked back a little bit anyway that's about all I have to say Uh, the, the interview speaks for itself okay uh that's all I'm gonna, uh, go to the interview now, and I will see you on the flip side of, uh, that. I always think about, like, especially this time of year, I always want to put on, uh, Trans Europe Express, my craft work, and every time I put that album on, Josh, I think about, like, driving around with you in high school, um, (laughs) and, and, like, listening to that record. So, for the listener, um, Josh and I are from the same hometown, um, you know we we grew up uh not super far from each other you know geographically in in the same town and and we're part of the same just like gang of um you know doofy music nerd <laughs> kids who really liked Weezer and like driving around and uh drinking Jones soda and bothering people and uh that was you know such was the the you know the innocence of our youth um yeah. and all that's yeah, gone absolutely. man. but <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, no, I I remember that very fondly, and I I don't think it was, it probably was not a long period of time that you and I hung out, but it it definitely looms large in sort of like my my remembrances of of that time, you know, yeah. just like yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it just uh, was. Uh, uh, I'm just, yeah, it's all coming back to me now You know, like, you used to go to I, The first time I remember meeting you, actually Was at a, uh, at a show at Antelope Park Yeah uh, It was some, like, open bandshell show, show And uh, I think you were playing with, like, a Gambit doll Or, like, an action figure Yeah, or, uh, <laughs> yeah I or, don't or
1: remember where play. I got that But that was, like, my bit for the day um, was I f- yeah. found, I think it was maybe at a garage sale or something, or I, I stole it from one of my friends, but I thought it was really funny that I had a Gambit toy. <laughs> and it was like a yeah. big, it was like a big, like G.I. Joe size, you know, like maybe like two foot tall, 18 inch, like kind of action figure thing of right, Gambit. And right. I was going around bothering everybody and like telling them to like take their picture with the Gambit toy. And like, that was, <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck I was trying to like, Yeah, prove or be, (laughs) but you know, that's, that's, uh, I I wanted to make an impression on people and I guess I did.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. The other thing that I remember from that show specifically that has nothing to do with you is, you know, I was, I was often, you know, the young person at those shows or, and, and, you know, at the time that meant that I was Fourteen. Well everybody else was sixteen
1: or something. Yeah, like I know. Well that's the thing, yeah, is right. like you know, this th- this period of time makes such a big impression on us and and yet it probably is like a six month, maybe a year <laughs> yeah, exactly, span. Right. And it exactly feels right. like this epic, but it really was yeah. a relatively short amount of time. And also like, yeah, age differences then are just like it's really nothing. We're like two years right, apart. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so I, I was just sort of like getting into this is like the heaviest air quotes i've ever done but like punk culture right which is this this to keep in mind this probably would have been like this is probably 2000 2001 ish somewhere say. around there. maybe yeah 2002 and um you know i was meeting friends who were like into pop punk at the time was big and that's the kind of show we were seeing there and i had just seen that movie slc punk mm-hmm. which was like that that Loomed large among that a certain mem- super members of that community was like oh you absolutely yeah movie that movie's too. a revelation movie, it fucking sucks man. it's I'm not sorry. a good movie <laughs> it's not a
1: good movie there's a lot of, I mean Empire Records yeah. like it's it's fun yeah. oh, you go exactly. back and watch it you're like oh this is cool this sucks shit right. but like it's I, <laughs> exactly. I get why I liked well, it as a teenager yeah oh no totally
0: but uh, uh, I just remember it's it, this isn't a particularly funny story except just very embarrassing myself like having watched that and. Is just realizing what a little kid I was because one of the lead singers of the band, his name was Steve-O and he had blue hair, like the guy in SLC punk, whose name is also Stevo. And so I, after the show, I went up and asked him if that's why he called himself Steve-O. And he looked at me like I was a fucking 12 year old kid, which I basically was. <laughs> and, and was like, no. And then when like talked to some girls or something, yeah. but, uh, yeah, that, that's the other thing I just, you know, just, uh, one of those like mortifying moments that stays
1: with you. Is Dude, I don't I mean like you to had to do something. Like I was like, well, I can't really play guitar. I try and I try, but I, I don't have <laughs> musical talent, but I like music and I have to try and somehow get people to notice me and, and be friends with me and maybe get a girl to pay attention to me at these, at <laughs> these shows. So like, I've got to, I've got to right. carry around an action figure. Maybe that'll do it. Maybe. Well, that is that, is this a thing? No. Okay, cool. Like, that's about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and I think yeah, so much of that was yeah, just trying to to, to stand out in some way, define yourself, you know, in in relief to everybody else that was there.
1: It was but, a weird uh, time. I mean, like Lincoln, Nebraska, yeah, is a teeny tiny fucking town, um, and the music scene, such as it was, there was very like. I mean, there was all that Saddle Creek stuff happening up in Omaha, but that was like the next town over and Lincoln right. had a couple interesting things, but mostly it was just pop punk, mostly it was just yeah. it was just bands trying to sound like some forty one you know and and, right. and and not very good and like yeah, <laughs> yeah no, but yeah. that was all we had in terms of like a subculture because the internet wasn't really a thing yet like it was almost a thing we were again in this like yeah. liminal space like this was a year before 9-11 this was right as instant messenger was starting to come online like mm-hmm. the internet was and in like online personas were starting to be a thing but we had like live journal And that was it. Like it it wasn't what it is now. And so like, I feel like we hit adolescence at a really weird time where we were kind of between scenes, like grunge was done. Mm -hmm. Kurt Cobain was dead. And like Mm -hmm. all that was happening for the latter half of the nineties was just like a bunch of like butt rock imitation stuff and sucked. (laughs) and right. but like indie hadn't fully blossomed yet like we were mm. it was it was just starting to kind of like gel and become a thing and and wasn't really there yet and so and hadn't really reached our teeny tiny towns anyway so like we we only had like we were like oh you know weezer is that indie rock like they they have <laughs> right yeah he he wears <laughs> uh horn-rimmed glasses and stuff like is that what that means i don't know they look yeah, like nerds I, was... I don't
0: yeah I, I was a huge weezer fan like embarrassingly so
1: after our adolescence i don't know we we you yeah. know um life took us different places and we we kind of you know not by any uh animosity or anything it's just life just you know takes winds take you in different directions um and uh where where'd you go all these years what's what's been going on fill me in
0: Yeah, man. So it's been a lot of places. I've been a lot of places. Yeah, I remember. So yeah, graduated high school um, in Lincoln. And and right after that, I uh, moved to St. Paul, Minnesota, um, which I think concurrently with while you were in Minneapolis, because you went to MCAD, right? And uh, I think we actually met up one time there. I don't really, I I have like a vague recollection of that.
1: I have vague, yeah. Um,
0: yeah yeah (laughs) but uh but yeah so I went to uh art school there and I had I had gone to um my last year of high school I went to we had like a magnet school program in Lincoln um so I went to arts and humanities Mm -hmm. focus program it was called and it was like a a magnet school um where yeah you just focused on on art stuff and I was like sort of a vaguely artistic person in sensibility. Like, I didn't really have any artistic talent. I couldn't draw. I couldn't paint. Um, And, in fact, when I got to art school, this tiny little school called College of Visual Arts in St. Paul. Um, uh, And, and by the way, I I basically went to the school. I also applied to the University of Nebraska. But I graduated with, like, a 2.9 GPA and just, like, couldn't even get into the local state school. Like, I just – high school was, you know – uh undiagnosed adhd just like was not my thing you know (laughs) so i uh uh went this route and and while i was in in art school speaking of having no talent i i remember uh on in my final critique for my my figure drawing class or live drawing you know we drawing class we drew figures or still lives or whatever and uh my professor holding up a drawing that I did like in the first week of class and like my final portfolio drawing side by side, she's like, I just don't really see much of a difference between these two. (laughs) It's just (laughs) totally roasting me. Um, And I mean, and uh, you know, she was right to some extent. Um, And so I, I actually was enrolled in that school for like less than a semester um, because what ended up happening was Um, I, uh, I couldn't get financial aid. Like I, I, I'd gotten some financial aid, but, uh, my parents, well, in particular, my, my dad refused to co-sign any student loans. And so that meant I just couldn't get them. And so I just, I went until the registrar came and pulled me out of class and said, Hey, you can't pay. You haven't paid for school. So you have to leave. And I did. I never went back to that school in particular.
1: In hindsight, so, your dad not co-signing on student loans for art school is maybe I. <laughs> Maybe a good, like I could under, I could see where he's, you know, yeah I guess having, so. having yeah, been burdened I mean, with, with, uh, art school student loans for, <laughs> for a full term. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I do understand that. I mean, unfortunately I don't think that's where my father's head was at. I, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's, you know, a lot of issues, uh, with there, um, you know, but, uh, um, yeah. So then I just got a job. Uh, so in high school, and actually, I, I, this is part of the narrative that I kind of forgot was I was into woodworking and furniture making. And I had worked a little bit in, the, in a shop in Lincoln for a local uh, furniture maker. Um, and uh, that's what I wanted to do at this art school. They didn't have a furniture making program, but um, they had a shop there. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And they said, well, yeah, you had to do the first two years of like basic Um, you know, our curriculum, but then you can build your own major if you want. And so that's why that's why I was there in the the first place. But um, yeah, so then um, I don't. Yeah, I I ended up just getting a job at like a woodworking retail store. Um, And after that, and I feel like I'm going really slow, but a lot happened in these like first like first couple years after high school. Um, But uh, after that, then I got accepted to like a woodworking school in Boston. Called North Bennett Street School, and they they focus on building like 18th century furniture making, American furniture making. That's what the program is called. It's like a two year program, and so yeah, I I figured out loans for that, and I and I went out there and I did the first year of that, um, and it just was an, an just you know being young and like unequipped. For for doing something like that, you know, for one, it was just moving to Boston with no money. I had, I ended up moving in with a another friend from Lincoln who had moved out there to go to photography school, but, you know, just trying to scrape by. And it just was, was a combination of, of, you know, like working late nights and like not making it to school on time. And just, you know, again, that, that, you know, sort of like not knowing how to study or not knowing how to spend time in school, just not getting stuff done. And then so I I ended up dropping. I finished the first year, but then just didn't go back. I moved back to Lincoln after that. I worked for the furniture maker that um, that I did for a while and just kind of started working in the trades and did a lot of different stuff. Um, Not only in the trades, I worked at coffee shops, you know, whatever, odd jobs. I worked for a company in Lincoln for a while called Duncan Aviation, Mm -hmm. which you're probably familiar with. And I built cabinets in airplanes with them. Um, And then around. I've been trying to remember what year this was, but I think it was like in 2009, 2010 to situate like where we're at. I ended up moving out to Seattle with a friend of mine, um, Washington in, we moved to Washington state initially um, on the peninsula. And uh, yeah, just to kind of like move somewhere, you know, it's like, you know, that, that time in your life. um, Yeah. And, uh, and just kind of settled out there and, and, and I felt like that's where things like uh, kind of started clicking for me a little bit. You know, I like was still not making any money, but I was working in a cabinet shop, and I was making like, I remember I pushed for to get paid fifteen dollars an hour there, which seemed like a ton of money to me at the time. You know, <laughs> like I had never made over like eight dollars an hour, probably eight yeah. and a half dollars an well, hour. Well,
1: luckily, like Seattle's that. such an affordable city.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly right. I had a really abusive boss at that job, just like a total maniac who made my life hell. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the, the story that I, I tell to like kind of illustrate it was we had an electrician. We, you know, the shop had really high ceilings and he was redoing the lighting in there. So he had an electrician in there during the day redoing the lighting. And the electrician had these big, you know, 40 foot ladders up all over the shop that he had left up. Oh, you know, he'd left for the day and he'd left his ladders up because he was coming back the next morning. And I got to the shop at like five in the morning or whatever. And I had to use some of these. I should have to go so to I the shop it. at
1: 5 a.m.
0: I don't remember. That's just when I started. <laughs> I just used to start at 5 a.m. I, I don't know if that was him or that was <laughs> me. Like a bakery? Yeah. Why do you have
1: to start that <laughs> fucking early? That's insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't remember. I mean, maybe it wasn't five. I just remember it was dark, which although yeah. in Seattle, it could have been like fucking 1030 in the morning sure. in, in November. But uh, I did used to go in early anyway. So I went in early and uh, had to use the equipment, so I moved the ladders out of the way. And uh, he comes in the shop a couple hours later and he goes, good, I'm glad you moved those ladders. If you hadn't moved those ladders, I was going to fire you on the spot. I'm like, what are you even talking about? You know, like I didn't put them there. Right. You know, and yeah, I, I don't know. He's just a weird, weird guy. And, uh, you know, it was like sending me to customers houses. It's like, you know, I, I would work like, you know, these 14 hour days or whatever. Seven o'clock at night, go to a customer to get half a payment on a job because we were running out of money. The shop was running out of money or whatever. You know, right. you had to keep the lights on. So anyway, I I didn't show up for that job for like a a Monday. I just couldn't do it. No, in fact, I'd gone down to Portland to see a friend, and I just took a long weekend without telling him, and so he fired me. So I got like a little job at a cheese shop for a while, and then ended up making, um, uh, working for this place in Seattle, which actually is one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. It was a a company called Dusty Strings, and they they make instruments. They make harps and hammer dulcimers, they also have uh, a long-running acoustic music shop in Seattle. That's sort of a, an anchor or a staple there, or you know, whatever, an institution. Sort of thing. And uh, that was a great job, man. It was just like it was. Uh, I think the pay was a little bit better than I was making at the cabinet shop, even. But it was just like a, a relatively small crew. You know, I think there were probably. I don't know, 40 of us that worked in the fact, in you know, making in production and they had a whole other staff at the, at the shop, but, um, like the owners of the company were involved in it and, you know, we talked to them every day and, um, yeah, it was just like, it it was, it was just a, it was a good job. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it was also about that time where like I kind of, um, I don't know, I, I have always had this sort of uh, drive and I don't know that it's always been healthy, but it's always been there to like always push myself to to be doing more. You know what I mean? And I like that manifested in a couple of ways of like, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I skipped some stuff too. Well, while, while I was working at Duncan aviation, I guess it was, I was like also working at a bike shop because, you know, I was working two jobs working every day of the week and it just like, That didn't kind of crash and burn on that just because I didn't sleep much. But yeah. um, And I started to think that I wanted to go to school or go back to school. Um, And uh, weirdly enough, like um, one of the things that really got me into it was um, were were, were like listening to various podcasts. And this was like this would have been. i moved there in like 2009 ish so this is probably 2010 somewhere in that zone and like podcasts were around but it was like radio lab right and like uh uh this american life were like the ones that people knew but there were it was just starting to like you know there there were like um lower what what do i want to say smaller ones ones you know like uh you know maximum fun was going at that Mm -hmm. time i remember uh, like Jordan, Jesse go was definitely going. And I think my brother and my my brother, my brother and me had just started or like, I mean, they have been going for a couple of years maybe. Yeah. But anyway, that all to say, it was like kind of a weird thing, but in a production job, one of the things is like, uh, and one of the things I liked about it is like the work is once you kind of get into the groove of what you're doing, it's Mm -hmm. very nonverbal. And I don't mean just like not talking, but it's like your thoughts, um, you're, you're doing stuff in a way where you're not thinking about like, uh, uh, you're thinking about what you're doing, but you're not thinking about it in, in words or yeah, in it's a, it's a somatic job.
1: It. Yeah. Exactly. I like, I like yeah. a somatic job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very somatic. And so, um, so that leaves, you know, I've just listened to podcasts like eight hours a day. You
1: yeah. Know? And so
0: I listen to, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and I got really into this one in particular called TWIV this week in virology, which was just like four virologists and they like pick a couple of papers that came out that week and just talk about it in depth. And, uh, I liked it because, um, you know, I mentioned like radio lab, radio lab is great and all, but like, I always hated that sort of popular science show because it felt so surface level to Mm me. And like TWIV was like the first time when I'm like, oh no, like this is like I'm way out of my depth here, but they're, like, talking, actually talking about this at an expert level, right? And it's, like, that, I don't know where you found that before, like, um, before that stage of the internet. You know, podcasts in particular, I think, are, are a perfect medium for doing that kind of thing, right? Because you can kind of pick whatever niche topic you want and just go for it. You know what I mean? And, and, and more often than not, it seems to find an audience, you know? And, um, and it just sort of like, yeah, sparked an interest in me. And, and I started, uh, I, I, um, this was like actually sort of one of my first dalliances with programming on, it, uh, cause I, I'd done some programming in high school and, um, was sort of interested in it. And, uh, at the time, uh, this was also sort of like, the beginning of like open courseware, right. You know, like, uh, uh, universities were just starting to like publish, um, their lectures online, which is, because uh, you now ever is a huge thing, but it wasn't very widespread at that point. And nobody had them like on podcast feeds. Right. Yeah. And so I built a short script to strip all of the MP3s off of Yale's open course website so that I could put them on my phone and listen to them when I was at work.
1: Oh, cool. And,
0: uh, Yeah. And I did like, uh, um, so I started listening to like biology courses and stuff that had to do with, um, I listened to some courses on like evolution and genetic and stuff that had to do with viruses. And so, yeah, I just kind of, it's sort of, you know, because of like my, my, my performance in high school and, you know, having to drop out of school, I think, I didn't mention, but um, I had like tried to go back to school at just the, the local community college in Lincoln at one time. And just to do well, you know, I took like a, a Spanish class and a uh, advanced algebra class. I think I got a D in the advanced algebra class or something right. and a C in Spanish, you know, just didn't do very well. I don't remember exactly what I got. but And so um, I just I think just learning in that way, something about it, I, it just got me thinking that is like i i, I thought i thought of myself as a dumb person or I, I always worried that i was a dumb person right and so uh when i when i kind of um started listening to people like talk about that complicated stuff at an expert level i sort of feel like i can understand this like i don't have all of the knowledge that i need to like process it but it's not it's not that it's like beyond me you know what i mean
1: yeah
0: and and so that gave me some confidence and i started going to school then and um uh, yeah, at North Seattle community college started taking courses, um, to, yeah, I wanted to study biochemistry and it's just that um, you learn
1: a little bit different. Yeah. It's not that yeah. you're dumb. Like that's yeah, kind of, kind of exactly sums right. up ADHD. Like, yeah, right, right. Exactly. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I took my, I took my first courses to kind of try it out and I took like an intro to chemistry course, which was, you know, really basic, really easy, but uh, I got the highest grade in the class, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so I can I can actually do this." And so that was a big.
1: What do you think the bit. difference was between that and you know high school and you know Lincoln Community College? Like, um, yeah, why? What What was the the difference between, uh, you know those those Spanish and algebra classes that you got Cs and Ds in, and you know versus teaching yourself, you know, how to write enough scripts to uh, basically hack a Yale website (laughs) and, 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 you know, and, and like ace, uh, a, a course in, in Seattle.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that some of it was just like the, um, the inherent, uh, maturity you get from just getting a little bit older you know what i mean i i mean maybe i don't know maybe that's not inherent but i think in some ways like the you know just honestly just holding down a job for a while was was huge you know because i i had i i'd only been fired from one job but i was always jumping from jobs you know i'd work somewhere for like a year and a half or whatever and then i'd i'd get something else you know just kind of trying to chase another doll, you know, just getting it, you know, from like 725 to like 815 or something like that per hour. But um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, but that the job that, 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 uh, um, job at Dusty Strings, you know, I had for, I had for a few years and I probably wasn't working for it, working it that long before I got this job, but I think it was just sort of the stability of that, you know, and, is part of it but also just like uh it's that like harnessing the hyper focus that comes with adhd right you know like i've i've learned more and more as as i've sort of like come to understand how my mind works like how to how to channel that sometimes mm-hmm. um and i don't think it, it's not always possible but it is sometimes And 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 i think that was my first instance of like of doing that, you know, of like, of, of hyper fixating on something that was, that, that, that allowed me to do that. Right. Because it's like, if you're hyper fixating on like, I don't know, like, uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones I had video games or whatever, which is common, right. Because it's so stimulating, right. Mm -hmm. All that stimulus feels good, but it's like, that doesn't, there's, there's not, there's a, there's a hard end point to that. Right. I mean, like you might, well there's an end of that video game or whatever or like you know you're just gonna get into more video games it's not gonna there's no like uh there's i'm not like i'm not like knocking video games but i just there's not like a there's not like a path out of that you know what i mean whereas like in 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 for me diving into like biochemistry like there is like a laid out path like i could take steps to like build a career in this or like Mm -hmm. it's just it's just endless like i mean i can follow that this this hyper fixation is as far as i want to go you know and um and there's just like more material that is like structured in a way that i can access it i guess is what i can say meaning like university or whatever yeah and and so i think that like in some ways it's kind of lucky but yeah
1: having adhd is kind of like having um it's like a superpower that you can't control, you know, mm-hmm. like it's like, yeah, like if you're like the Hulk or something, like sometimes you want to apply it and you can't and he doesn't come out and you're like, you're getting your ass kicked and like the other guy doesn't show up and you're like, ah, what's happening, you know, or, or like sometimes you're just trying to chill and then your superpowers turn on and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's, it's not the time or place for it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I, I relate to that too with like, with like woodworking, you know, because I think in some ways that was like a hyper fixation of mine. Um, but you know, I just, um, you know, I, I think too, so there's like sort of this truism that people say or, or whatever. uh, um, uh, maybe it's not even a truism, but you know, like there's just a fact of life, right? Like it's always going to be someone that, uh, is better than you at whatever you're trying to do right sure. and often they're going to be in the same room with you right and i think when i was younger because of insecurity and stuff and and also because of like the shame stuff that's related to like, the dark side of 80, well I don't know if it's the dark. What anyway? The yeah, shame. It's, a, is the it's latest, a darkness
1: that comes with it for sure. It's a
0: darkness that comes with it. But I'm just saying what I what I, I didn't want to say like the fix the hyperfixation stuff is always like the light side, right? It's not always good. It's also kind of has its own darkness to it. But anyway, like the shame part that comes with ADHD or that's often associated with it. Um, you know, I I just always, I I I didn't know how to handle not being the best person and, and and that sounds weird to me even to say because i'm not a very competitive person mm-hmm. but i'm also kind of not competitive because i don't like to lose you know what i mean like i'm not it didn't manifest in a way where like i don't right. like i'm not like i am not ai am not a controller thrower thrower to like go back to video games i'm just like a, i'm gonna sit this one out because i don't I don't want to even try because I don't want to lose in front of people. Right. And so it kind of manifested that way. And I think when I would see someone be better at me, I just internalized that as in a sort of dysmorphic way as like, I, I suck at this, you know what I mean? Which is just, you know, I mean, that's, it's just not necessarily true. And, and I think that, uh, that stunted my learning in a lot of ways i and and i think going back to your question about what was different um and this is i think this applies after to later in my academic career because it took me like seven years to get my degree just doing it part-time and stuff but um yeah i mean i think that 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 shame was a big part of it and and that sort of like anxiety that wells up when you don't understand something i maybe that's a, a manifestation of my adhd but um that when i when something was hard i would i have a tendency to procrastinate it you know and that's universal i think for a lot of people not just neurodivergent people or whatever but i think it's amplified um in adhd and in particular in how it manifests in me and so uh understanding that um and i first understood it as just a a trait that I have, um, independent of ADHD. I didn't really think, um, I didn't really, um, I, I didn't really consider the fact that I had ADHD until just really a few years ago and, um, was diagnosed, but, um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and just sort of understanding that, and, and, you know, I didn't always overcome it, you know, I think you know, I think my first calculus test I got like a fifty on, and yeah. so that was kind of a big blow. Like I'd done pretty well. It was like I had I moved I went to school in Colorado. I in between uh, while I was going to school, I I moved to, from Seattle to to, to Denver uh, because of the relationship I was in. And so um, at the University of Colorado, I was so exciting. It's like my you know you know I had I done really well in my um, in my community college old courses and, uh, you know, because they were very easy, <laughs> but, yeah. and, uh, uh, and, uh, but then I got to university and yeah, it kicked it, it my ass uh, to some extent. Um, uh, yeah, that, uh, calculus is very hard for me. Look, I mean, <laughs> but, it's,
1: uh, that's the thing. That's another thing with it is like sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail, you know, yeah, and, right, right. uh, like you have to understand that like even, if you understand that you have ADHD and you're, you know, trying to manage it, like you're still going to have bad days and you're still going to like take the yeah. L sometimes. Like it's just going to happen, you know, and like sometimes like shit's just going to, you know, like a, a project's just going to fall by the wayside or, you know, like a thing's not going to get done, uh, you know, by a deadline or whatever, just because like, you know, stuff happens. Like I hit roadblocks and like I go for the dopamine lever like whatever it is you know like whatever kind of pleasure i can distract myself with if i uh hit a difficult moment that is like oh this is a block i need to work through like i don't know how to write this piece of code something's happening Mm -hmm. i'm not i can't alleviate this error so like i'm just gonna go like do anything else eat some food uh jack off or like you know whatever i can do to like stimulate something, you know, some part of my brain that, that is, is not getting its fix from, from the thing I'm trying to solve.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like I'm just, you know, I mean, yeah, always, always understanding myself better. And I think like that has been, you know, sort of the experience of my, my thirties is like really starting to, to make progress in, in, understanding how my brain works. Um, and, and, you know, the biggest thing for me has has been around, like, the shame and, like, emotional reality. And um, this has to do with, you know, like, with the depression that I've dealt with and anxiety that I've dealt with. But, like, just walking that line every day of understanding that, like, A, you need to be aware of what you're feeling and like be respectful to yourself in, in feeling it and processing it and not intellectualizing it. But also on the other hand, be realizing that your emotions are, are, are not reality. Right. And, and, and realizing that my brain lies to me a lot or misinterprets sing signals and, and creates like an emotional reality that, that if I can kind of, that I can, I can step out of if I need mm-hmm. to, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, and, and I think like finding that, I've been better at finding that line over the past few years, but that's been kind of the biggest revelation for me because that helps me regulate my, my hyperfixation and stuff too, because, you know, you hit that roadblock, you want to find that stimulus. And for me, yeah, it's like, it's sort of like a mounting anxiety is how it, it persists, I've like said, or like a shame. And it's just sort of like, talking yourself down from that just like no you mean you just it's not it's to like and i think um it's like finding the dopamine trigger and solving that problem right and like like you said like i'm not saying that it's like a i've weaponized it perfectly but i've gotten incrementally better at it over time you know what i mean i've
1: i've learned to like know when to call it you know when Know mm-hmm. when to just be like i'm stuck i need to like look at a guide i need to take a walk around the block i need to you know phone a friend whatever and just be like i can't solve this one i need to raise my hand and just be like hey teacher this one's th- this one's beyond me sorry like i cannot white knuckle this one myself you know mm-hmm. and and that's been a really hard one to um to to know when to you know when to do because like i feel like uh another part of I don't know just growing up a certain way you you have it kind of drilled into your head that you don't want to be too soft and you don't want to give up too Mm. quick and you don't want to be seen as lazy or like not trying hard or you can't hack it so you have to like push yourself and discipline is super important for people with ADHD especially like you do have to kind of push yourself through discomfort and, and keep working even though you want to lay down, you know, like, right. uh, that, that is part of it, but it's also balanced with like knowing when to like, mm, no, you actually, you can call it a night and like take a nap, come back to the, to this tomorrow. You're not copping out, you know, cause like I've done both. I, I've done, I've done both. You know, I've, I've totally fucking shirked responsibilities and chores and like, Disguise it as like, oh, this is self care. Like you know, like no, right. no you're right? Just being lazy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, it's just it is it is just sort of a, a balance between those two that that everybody has to sort of yeah find find. I mean, and it, it shifts, you know, right? It's not it's not the same for every situation. It's not the same line. It's not the same tipping point, you know. But I think yeah, just sort of of just having a greater awareness of of how my brain is processing stuff you know um i think yeah has has been has been a big boon for me and and i guess i should say uh, or we should say that um part of the reason we've reconnected is so after i got my degree i um i actually you got a degree in in, in in what biochemistry
1: biochemistry, biochemistry. okay mm-hmm. right right
0: And I applied to medical school, which was kind of my long-term goal. And I didn't get in. Um, And uh, at that point, I kind of, like, reassessed. um, And I'm 36. And uh, applying for medical school, I I know, I'm sure that everybody has this, like, absolute idea that it's hard. And it is. But the other thing is it's it's that the timeline is long to apply. And it's expensive, which maybe fewer people know. Like I spent, I tracked all my the money I spent. I spent uh, like five thousand dollars applying to medical school, basically. And that's like um, training materials. That's you know you uh, that's taking the MCAT. You know, it's it like three hundred dollars. You pay a hundred dollars for every school that you apply to, and an additional hundred dollars for their secondary application. So like it, anyway. I don't have to get too much in the weeds yeah. for that, but just, I just like to spread awareness uh, to people who maybe don't know that, that it's, it's, it's even more fucked up than you think it is. Right. Um, right. And so, but, uh, yeah. And so like the, the timeline is, is long. It's like, it takes like a year and a half, basically the whole cycle to, to apply to medical school. And, and so, um, I just kind of thought like at the time I was, I think I was, I just, actually I found out I didn't get in on my 35th birthday. <laughs> I got an email on on my birthday, and um, and and I was disappointed, but I wasn't devastated, honestly. And and I had I'd gotten all the way up to an uh, an an interview, by the way, which is um, at one school at the at the university in Nebraska. Um, so um, I moved back to Nebraska after during the pandemic, um, and uh, finished you know finished up my school remote. Um, because I got divorced since I'll just slide that in sure. <laughs> right, right now. But, uh, but yeah, and I kind of just took stock and, and I realized like, I didn't want to spend all that time to maybe make it into medical school in two years. Right. And then do eight more years of school, uh, on the back end. you know, yeah. I felt like I had the momentum going into that first application cycle. Um, and then, and it just, uh, I just didn't have it at that point. So my brother had gotten into programming, um, uh, It's been, you know, while I was going to school and uh, he did a boot camp um, and I was well and this was while I was still um, I think I'd left Seattle already. I was so I was living in Colorado when he did that. And uh, so I kind of like explored my options. Yeah. And I like I like looked went went as far as to look at a couple of boot camps in Denver and take took I took like a short course from one of them, like a couple of weeks of some Python again, data science stuff but it just could never. i could never kind of work it out like my thinking was like oh i could over the summer i could do like a boot camp and then get a job as a software developer to kind of support the rest of my schooling right Mm because i still had a couple years of schooling left to do and i was always scraping by you know and it was like well it it, kind of and i like doing it and it would be applicable if i wanted to do research you know down the line Uh, but it just never really worked out so that all to say after i didn't get into medical school that was sort of like the obvious um, uh, next step for me and so uh, i was working um, i was working in a like a, a shitty clinical research job um, and uh, uh, did a boot camp in uh, just august of last year um, and and yeah and now uh how many months later i, I didn't count Uh, like six months later Mm -hmm. Uh, more more than that something like um yeah something like that yeah i uh i got a job as a software developer and so um brad's doing the same thing and so that's yeah we kind of reconnected yeah
1: um that's what's funny about these uh these boot camps is they um you know it's kind of an interesting mix of uh, I don't know what like, like what your demographic breakdown was in in your course, but mm. like mine seems to be maybe twenty five percent people who like have done some programming or like work in IT, like do mm-hmm. like some like computer networking stuff. Like they know they've been working with computers a bit, but they want to like sharpen their skills or like expand their horizons and get more into like the software engineering aspect, and mm-hmm. then like maybe 25%, just like, just young people who are just like, yes, yeah, software engineering would be a good job. And I don't want to have to go to college. And we're like, well, that's very smart of you. Like you're, you <laughs> you're picking the right thing. Um, right. And then like the rest is just these kind of like wayward people in their thirties who have kind of like flunked out of every other yeah. thing that they've tried. <laughs> and, have you know, like it's this sort of Island of misfit toys kind of, uh vibe where it's just like yeah I'm burnt out in my career like I was a teacher I can't fucking stand these kids anymore like I can't I can't do one more year of of um of teaching and uh, I need something else or like yeah I'm a bartender and like I can't do that to myself anymore like you know and like people come to it from all these different um walks of life which I think is interesting um because uh I think there's this stereotype of like what a software engineer is or what kind of person they are, you know, and it's like this like big bang theory bullshit stereotype of a right. nerd. Yeah. And yeah. it's not really who it is. Like I, and I say this to anybody who like talks about like who I talk to about programming, they're like, Oh, that sounds really hard and I'm like, It is, but you could do it. Like Yeah. If you want to, you can. And like, you know, as you've said, like, I feel like most people who I run into in this field, they're of above average intelligence. They're not like they're not dummies, but like genius people are pretty few and far between. Like there's like two or three like really brilliant people in my class out of like 30 who are like all pretty smart. But like then there's like the two who are just like, holy shit, like I don't know how you're grasping this so fast. It's it's crazy. Like they're the Luke Skywalkers. They're the ones who are gonna like right. really like who have like a preternatural talent that you you know, not everybody has. Fuck it. Like we're just we're <laughs> salt of the earth ass people, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that was that is something that I would I would impress on people to to realize more largely. No what no matter like what um profession or field or or or, or you know um, hobby group that you're interested in um, like that was something that I that was a bit of a revelation for me once I started like inserting myself in like the academic world um, and and the medical world in general you know it was like because I did a lot of shadowing I did a lot of volunteering um, I, I helped run a free clinic in Colorado mm-hmm. with like a bunch of medical students I was one of the one of like two uh, undergraduate students who was like running this clinic. Um, And, and, and like you said, there, it it is, you are spending time with people who are above average intelligence. Everyone there is above average intelligence for the most part in a situation like that, where they kind of self-select for, you know, like spending your free time doing this kind of stuff. However, uh, you know, yeah, the geniuses are, are few and far between. And I saw people who like, I just saw a lot of like my own sort of myself in, you know, like people who, who had a hard time when they encountered something that was hard and, and wanted to avoid it. And like, uh, you know, people who were just, you know, normal and I could, you know, relate to, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, as someone who didn't get in, I, I don't mean it to sound like sour grapes or whatever, but it's just like, uh, uh, yeah I mean not every physician is a genius and frankly not every physician is smart I mean yeah. there i I definitely came across a couple people who who you're like you got into medical school and and I didn't well that's maybe that reflects poorly on me but uh it's it, it, there one or two people who are, I was genuinely shocked they made. I mean, it. there's different types um,
1: of intelligence. Like, that's the right, thing. Like, right, there's people right, who right. can, like, read a textbook and answer all the, you know, fill in all the right bubbles, but they have, like, zero right. actual independent critical right, thinking right. skills.
0: And and those people are the expect, but I'm telling you, they are, like, certified dummies who have made it through medical school. I don't know how, uh, but, but uh, uh, I know one of them in particular... Uh, uh, Specifically, yeah, went went to medical school in a country where uh, the standards are a little less strict and then came back and worked really hard to uh, to get a uh, uh, a um, a place in a medical. I'm the word is escaping me. But anyway. uh, Yeah. So just know if there's like something that you are striving for and you feel like you are not smart enough to do it, you absolutely are and you if you want to be in that room you deserve to be in that room and you've got everything it takes to be in that room and uh even even you know failing to get to medical school was a huge lesson in that for me it's just like you just insert yourself there you know and 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 i and i want to take a second to you know acknowledge that i'm a white man and so it is easier for me to insert myself in spaces so i i understand that that, um, that might, uh, ring false for some people. And I, and I understand that, but, but I do truly believe that, that if you've got the interest in it, then you're smart enough to to get there. And, and, um, you know, um, yeah, that was a, that was a lesson for me. It's just not, there's this not selling yourself out
1: American, uh, really, I think particularly among Americans is this, there's this idea of like being exceptional and like the Ted talk kind of culture of like,
0: right. Yeah. You have
1: to be like the most brilliant and you know, like, and I see it all the time, especially here, like here in New York, every fucking parent thinks that their kid is going to be like the next genius. Who's going to change the world. And it's just like, I mean, I'm sure they're <laughs> smart. I'm not trying to like diss your kid, but like, maybe if they're just maybe it's like just let them be like a kid and like discover who they want to be and like don't necessarily like push them into like feeling like they need to be you know top of the world king shit like Jay-Z and Beyonce like it it, it doesn't work that way for everybody i'm sorry and you know it, it's like i don't know like when i was i was in therapy for a long time in um there was a, a free program through Columbia, uh, which is really cool, uh, that they do that, but it's, um, also sort of a training program for their PhD students. So it's people, it's kids who have already, like they already have an MD, um, mm-hmm. but they're like, not very old, like they're like our age, you know? Um, and yeah. And Like I remember so many times just like sitting across from them and just being like, you're just a guy. You're just like, you're just like a, a fairly smart guy, you know, who's about the same age as me. Um, Mm -hmm. but you're not like, it's, it it demystifies it in a way where you're just like, Oh, like you're the same. Like, I remember like one of them, like, I was talking to them and, and, and they like stopped me and they're like, okay, don't, but don't give me any Mad Men spoilers, you know? Like, it, cause it was like right as the last couple episodes were coming out, you know? And like, and I was just like, Oh, you're just a, you're just a, you're just a guy, <laughs> you're just some person. And like, it, you know, like if you're just some person, then like, yeah, then, then that really takes the pressure off, like being like the fucking greatest, whatever, Like there's plenty of space for like people who are like, you know, pretty good, pretty, pretty good at what they do and not like fucking incredible. Cause I really beat myself up for the longest time and like felt like throughout my whole twenties, like the clock's ticking. If you don't make it, whatever the fuck that means, by the time you're 25, then you're done, you know? Mm -hmm. And like that will make you suicidal I can tell you like it just is is not a healthy mentality especially when you're in like a hyper competitive like really ego-driven um industry like if you're working Mm -hmm. in the film industry if you're working in the arts if you're working in like music or, or or comedy or anything that's like very like your face is your business then like man like no wonder people like go off their fucking nut
0: yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that for me too, um, it, it is kind of a class thing, right? Because I, uh, you know, I grew up, um, lower class, you know, like we'd lost our house a couple of times when I was a kid and I, I'm not like, you know, or bragging or whatever. I forget the word for that is, but just to say like that I was not exposed to like, normal career path, you know, like, I mean, like, forget, like being a doctor, being a lawyer, being a software engineer, like just like college was not like on the horizon for me as an expectation, as like a, um, as like a, a path I should take really. Like, mm-hmm. it just was not like part of, 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 of that, you know, of growing up for me. And I think like, uh, just having those trajectories like modeled for you in some way like is it is a huge you know what i mean and and um that's where at least some of it you know i think for me was took me a long time to get to oh know? yeah absolutely mm-hmm. it, it, like
1: in in um in the arts and entertainment and and all of that stuff like there you know the the degree of nepotism not just like cool my parents are rich or my parents are already in show business or whatever, but there is just this I'm dressed for success kind of thing where, yeah, you're just told from a young age that like, this is a path for you and this is how you go get that. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, like you're the first person in your whole lineage who's left their home state, who's gone out and forged this, like blaze this trail on their own has tried to like go out into this like really crazy competitive industry. Like, uh, you know, mm. you're, you're already a few steps behind, uh, in, in that respect. And, you know, again, I say this as like a white dude, you know, from a middle-class background, you know, right. but like it, it's, it was never really, like college was always like, yeah, you got to go to college for me growing up, but mm-hmm. um, it was there just wasn't the same. I mean, being from a small town in the Midwest, there's just not the same access to like anything related to to the arts um, or, or yeah, or, or anything well, like yeah. That. Like, you know, where we're from. It's you have to like kinda of claw your way out of that before you can even like get started.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah, I was thinking about this. Uh I have a a friend who um just finished their MFA uh in in Lincoln at the at uh at Wesleyan, which is a, a small college in Lincoln. And uh I was just thinking, um they also teach uh, at the UNL, the State University, University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, they do, they do they teach some some art courses. And and I got to thinking, they, they had a show, which is really great, and it was like, uh, it was like on a first Friday, which is like the art night in Lincoln. And so, you know, there's a bunch of people there and, and like the art community there. And it just got to thinking, it was, it was a, how small that community is in that town, you know? Like, uh, I just, like, there's got to be like what? Like, a dozen university level teaching positions, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. there's more than that but what twenty five you know at you know at the at at the most, and it's just sort of like yeah to 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 carve out some living as an artist in a town like that is just uh yeah, is tough, really hard, you know um um yeah and, and that's a world I don't really know about, but that was just something i that that kind of occurred to me, but uh yeah, man. I mean, I think I'm I'm learning those lessons of about exception, exceptionalism or applying those lessons or whatever, you know, as a software engineer, you know, um, and you know, never never being the smartest person in the room, or or I should say, uh, the the best at a particular thing, you know, yeah. um, in the room. But but just kind of I, I, uh, something that that I've I've realized just through working a lot of jobs and and is true in this position I've been in now for a few months is like, um, you know, part of it is just like, there's, there's a, there's a part where, where perception of your peers is just really important, you know? And I think like, um, uh, just showing up and, Mm. and, and applying yourself and and working at it. Um, I, 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 I hear some like weird toxic, capitalist language coming out and what I'm saying, but <laughs> really what I mean in the context of like being someone with, with ADHD or like some sort of neurodivergence that, that like um, just coming from my perspective as someone who felt dumb for most of his life and, and never felt good enough that how far just like showing up and trying and learning and just doing the best that I could, you know, and not being afraid to do the best I could. Right. I, maybe that sounds weird, but like sometimes I felt like I was because I felt that it wouldn't be good enough. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I would dr- would draw and like I, I kind of touched on that with competition, you know, just like um, but but how how far that's taking me, you know, and, and it's not like to the moon or anything, but it is like, um, you know, I'm just learning a lot and trying to like enjoy that and, and to like find the 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 fixation in 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 just like learning and pushing myself and and i think in a lot of ways like i found uh at, at least for now and and you know very new to it but like a a career path or a job that suits that part of me where i can just follow that you know like keep learning new stuff always mm-hmm. being more stimulated and it and it and it will directly, I mean, hopefully, um, you know, it, it can. There's a pretty clear path where that leads to other positions and, you know, making a comfortable living, which at this point is like really what I'm concerned about. It's like uh, I don't w- want to be uber rich or, or whatever. I just like, you know, I want to be able to go out to you without thinking about yeah. going out to you. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, Why the build fuck a not? Retirement, You know what I mean? And uh to, like, and I so, mean,
1: you grew up poor and we've like, like we've both yeah. been like just living these like service industry, minimum wage, hand to mouth jobs for so long. Like what the fuck yeah. is wrong with like wanting oh, to yeah. like be able to like, oh, look, uh, th- these shoes are all worn out. I'll just buy a new pair and not have to be like, uh no, no, maybe, maybe I can get a couple more months out of them, you know, like just stop. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Yeah.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm also learning, this is, that goes back to what I was saying about like emotional reality is like, I have a lot of anxiety about money and that anxiety is never going to go away. You know? And, and, but, but realizing that, that, my emotional like state about money is not necessarily true you know like i'm paying my bills and i have a little extra money you know and i'm saving it and like it just it's and yeah that was a big revelation for me i think um even since i started this job you know like um just like yeah i'm i'm making enough money and and like with the pandemic and and taking time off to do the boot camp past couple years i made like basically no money and so now i'm catching up so like yeah i've got some bills that that are a little high and i'm paying them down and it's like that is okay you know it's like it's not you have to take a little bit of a longer view of it you know what i mean and and um that's a whole other thing that i'm learning you know
1: isn't it great being but, in your 30s and like letting go of so much of the fucking urgency and like life or death yeah in your 20s and just like yeah it's okay because like at this point like you know yeah we've we've failed a bunch and we've had our dreams broken and we've had our hearts broken and we've had like yeah you know we've we've had our whole lives fall apart and had to rebuild from square one a couple of times and like <laughs> yeah
0: right right
1: then you realize that like okay it's fine like you can do it like okay like what mm-hmm. what if it all fucking collapses oh no have a collapse again like like we've yeah. been we've been through like what two like once in a lifetime recessions in like since right. we entered the job market and like now I'm like okay what if i get laid off oh no like everybody <laughs> i know gets laid off every six fucking months i don't care yeah i don't right. care yeah <laughs> <laughs> with software engineering it's um it's especially like i'm glad um i i'm happy to be getting into it kind of in the age of social media, uh, where there are like, there's so many just like silly, like Instagram accounts, whatever about, about, you know, developing, uh, Mm -hmm. some of which are like, oh, this is actually like good advice. And like, this is some, like, these are some cool CSS tricks that you can learn and like, okay, cool. I'll bookmark that. And like, "I I can reference that later, but also like, there's just so many that are just meme accounts of, of people just commiserating that it's so hard <laughs> and they don't understand and yeah. like you know like you get out of a boot camp and like I had this said to me like this week like by an alumni of the boot camp I'm going to is like this school will set you up to know what you don't know like once mm-hmm. you get out mm-hmm. of this school you will know how li- very little you actually know and that's the starting point. And, like mm-hmm. that's enough to work a job at where like you you go to the job, not as an expert, like you go to just be like, "I know enough to dig myself out of this shit and yeah, and and like understanding that like ninety percent here's the secret, guys, ninety percent of software engineering is just googling shit and just <laughs> figuring it out. But right. you have to like the skill is knowing what to Google. and like, when to call that in and like how to apply that. Like, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, nobody has it all in their heads again. Like, like, like maybe like data from Star Trek, like, but he's, (laughs) you know, like right nobody, like nobody has that kind of brain really.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, true of, of my experience too. And again, my experience is, is pretty limited and much of my, um, my team, uh, is pretty junior. You know, I, I work with um, a lot of guys who are. This is their first job out of college. You know, and they mm-hmm. got computer science degrees, um, but uh, I feel like easily on on par with. Those guys. I mean, maybe yeah. that's you know. I mean, sounds that, silly. I'm saying note, like, oh d- yeah, I'm, is- I'm as good as my job, but it's like a 22 year old kid. But you know, it's like <laughs> some uh, having like gone to, uh, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to uh, denigrate 22 year olds. I know very many m- many smart, wonderful 22 year olds. But yeah, um, I don't know, they're still 22, <laughs> they still don't know shit. Right, right. Um, but, but just. You know, I think, you know, having gone to a boot camp, there's some amount of uh, of an inferiority complex, at least in myself, of like, you know, not having done it academically.
1: Yeah. And
0: uh, but but, you know, I, I I don't I don't notice much of a difference. You know, I think um, part of that is because we're working on, you know, like Web specific technologies um, uh, using React in particular and. um and that's just not something that that that's you learn in school typically. I mean, I think mm-hmm. some, I'm sure that there are some programs where you learn web development, but so much of it is based on, um, you know, computer science fundamentals. The coding that they know um, is Java in, in particular. That's what people seem to learn. Um, and so, yeah, so um, in that sense, I've got a little head start on them because I that's what I, you know, spend boot camp doing yeah and, um, and it is kind of my my strength um in, in insofar that I have any yet. But yeah, so it's um yeah it's been good. Um you know it's 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 a little bit different um you know working in in Omaha. Um you know a lot of my boot camp alums um the the one I the program I took was based in New York City. It was remote, mm-hmm. um, but but it was based in New York City. So a lot of my uh, uh, classmates uh, lived in in the city or around there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of them are making like twice, literally twice as much money as I'm making, um, because software is still very uh, in the Midwest, in particular. I mean, the 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 salaries are still very regional. Sure. I mean, and again cost of living is a huge part of that. Yeah. But um but uh uh it's um but but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, I forget what my point was with that. It's, it's just <laughs> that it was it was a good it it so far it's paid off to have gone having gone to boot camp. Yet, yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, and it um, sounds
1: like you're able to like not let it get in your head that like you're, you know, you're at the same level as like a bunch of 20-year-olds, <laughs> you know? like, yeah, it's, yeah, like yeah. that that can again if you were in your twenties and your ego is still bothering you about that kind of shit, then that would be like embarrassing or whatever. But like now, like, I don't know, like I'm fully fine with working jobs with like a bunch of like fresh faced kids who are like out of, you know, out of college and like, yeah, fine. I'm the weird old guy. I know more than you. I have more life experience than you. I'm sorry. Like, like, you don't know anything. Get divorced. Like, have some, have some, like, grow some hair on your chest, and then come yeah. talk to me. You know what I mean? Like, right. get yeah. some, get yeah. some fucking like, see death, see death, <laughs> and then get back to me about like how much smarter you are. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, and you know, just as some like. Practical advice to people who are maybe um, you know in a similar situation in their 30s or 40s or whatever, and and starting a new career um, is that that life experience and just ability to be like a chill person is mm-hmm. is a huge asset. It's a huge asset, and you will relate much better to like your manager or senior engineers uh, than these. Uh, really young people, because uh, because of where you're at in your life, you know, right? There will be some some senior engineers who are much younger than you, yeah, um, for sure. But but for the most part, um, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just a, a huge a huge asset, and uh, will take you a lot farther than you think, you know, uh, or will go. And and I kind of said something about perception earlier, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is like, it's not that I'm fooling everybody, but it's just that like, I'm. I'm slightly better at knowing what I don't know. And so the, the junior members of the team often come to me with, with their bugs and with their problems. And I often don't know how to fix them, but it's just this perception that because I'm, um,
1: you seem sage.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. That, uh, that, that it, it already, I, it's already kind of placed me in like a, uh, Yeah, a a mentorship position, which I think is um, is good. It's it's something that I enjoy. Honestly, I like teaching. I I found it's a good way to to learn myself. Absolutely. Um, But uh, but yeah. So there is a lot of, you know, um, uh, in software engineering and in anything technical, I saw this in in research and in the medical um, arena, too, is just like um, the the quoted that's what people are talking about when they say soft skills. You know, it's like it's it, it, they really are are like seventy percent of what's important at a job, and it's it's great to be the most technically gifted person. and And I love that part of my job, and I work hard at at learning more. and And I want to be. I'm motivated by being the, the technically best on my team. Will I ever be there? Probably not, but that's okay with me. Um, and and just know that that if you're switching into something that's that's hard for you, that that your life experience is 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 going to get you most of the way there, and then just a little bit of, of interest and drive to do your job better is going to get you the rest of the way.
1: Hell yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been really great uh, catching up with you, man. And uh, you know, I'm so happy to see that like you've you've uh, you know kind of you found a path dude like it's and yeah, it's, it's yeah. encouraging because like you know like again like as a i i feel like i relate on a lot of levels of just like kind of going from thing to thing and and, and like floundering a lot um mm-hmm. so it's encouraging to see that there is a path ahead um you know uh such as it is in in in, in software development and um you know i it's it's interesting and i never really would have predicted that this is like what i get into but it's a mm-hmm. it's a very cool and interesting development and it's it's interesting that it's happening with so many people i know like you're one of like four people i know independently of you know just just in life um, mm-hmm. who who are doing the software boot camp thing and and, and doing mm-hmm. this like sort of reset it's 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 interesting who it draws
0: yeah 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 it has been really good man and it's great catching up with you and and it's nice to have yeah somebody you know i mentioned my brother's been through it so he's been a big resource for me but also good to just meet people who go through the same thing yeah it's, Mm -hmm. it's been good
1: thanks once again to my buddy josh miller for being on the show i love having just my friends on the show I gotta get just more of my just friends on the show. I keep trying to talk to all these fucking strangers, people who I've have I've had like an email conversation with, and then I'm like, "Tell me about your life and your deepest secrets. Tell me about what really keeps you up at night." Hey, it's weird for everybody, and sometimes I get something interesting out of it, but sometimes it's good to just talk to someone you know. Someone who you've been through some shit with. Someone who you've seen grow and mature into a man. From a boy to a man. And, you know, it's... it's, that's, it's that's it. That's all I have to say. Alright, uh, follow me at Radical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter I am one of those fucking people who wants more followers, more shit more people to listen to me and put myself out there on the internet like a jackass desperate for attention so please follow me if you're not already doing that follow the show at Self Worst on Instagram you get uh, updates about the show you get some depression memes and stuff in there, that's fun Follow the show on Patreon. Become a patron and for as little as a dollar a month. And you get bonus content. And you can talk to me directly if you want. And uh, you can, uh, you can I don't know, tell me things. Tell me what to do. If you give me money, you can actually t- order me around a little bit. As little as a dollar a month. And you'd be like, yeah, don't wear that shirt today. Wear this one. And I'll be like, I, sure. You are paying me. I don't know. Uh, that's all. Thank you all for listening. I hope you got something out of today's episode. And uh, I hope you get something out of just life in general. I hope it's all not for nothing. Music is by Shea Bartel. Thank you, Shay. Song is written by me, performed by Shea Bartel. The artwork is by me. Edited by me. I do most of the work around here, honestly. I'm Brad Pearson. Till next time, I'll see you in hell.